Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. springtime folks turkey season in florida started we spent the last weekend chasing easterns here on the panhandle of florida leighton and i had a really good time hunting some public land we didn't have the success we were looking for in fact we didn't hear a single turkey talk the entire weekend that's okay we shared some quality time in the woods we learned about the piece of property we found a beautiful swamp hammock that's got deer and turkey and and hogs all through it matter of fact we Bumped a very large hog while we were hunting, and uh, I'm sure to return there. Matter of fact, I might put a buddy of mine from Ohio on that on that uh, little track and see what comes of it. But this week's guest is a phenomenal guest. He he was kind enough to take some time out of his evening, even though we had some problems uh, with the recording setup. Our guest is Jordan Barnes. He hails from Southeast Georgia, much like myself, a little further north. He is an avid turkey and deer hunter from southeast Georgia who just absolutely enjoys being in the woods, conservation, and you can tell with everything that he says that he takes this to heart, and this is just his biggest passion. Jordan is a conservationist at heart, he is an outdoorsman at heart, and he is actively working to pursue the next generation of turkey hunters. Before we get going, I just want to say thanks to our partners, Wild Edge Incorporated and Bowhunter Box Club. I hope you take away something from his his turkey hunting experience that he shares and the knowledge that he shares, and I, and I hope you can feel the passion for what he has. All right, without any further delay, I am excited to announce that our guest is on the line, Mr. Jordan Barnes. How you doing, buddy? Good, man. Doing really good. George's uh, youth season will be here in about, well, I guess Saturday, so I'm uh, kind of chomping at the bit. Well, dude, I, I am jacked to have you on the podcast. We, I, excuse me. We are excited to have you on the podcast. Leighton, uh, 
Leighton overcame some technical difficulties to, to be here with us this evening. His his audio quality will be a little bit uh, lesser than we, we would normally like, but uh, he told me, he, I called him and he said, man, I, I, this is my element, man. This is my turkey hunt. I, I, I got to be on this show. I said, well, just call in like you're a guest, buddy. So, <laughs> I heard that. Jordan, uh, I know you're a local legend, but why don't you uh, fill in some of our other listeners as to, to kind of who is Jordan Barnes and what do you do to occupy time during the hunting seasons? Well, I, I wouldn't consider myself much of a legend. I'm I'm just the average Joe that, um, you know, I love God, you know, first and foremost. And um, secondly, I love his creation. So um, I just love everything about, you know, being a conservationist. And, you know, a lo- lo- long time ago, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of deer and, and turkeys out there um, and wildlife. And, you know, people that came before us has made that a possibility. So, but... Yeah, I just, uh, I'm just a, you know, good old country boy, and I love, I love the outdoors, man. I love deer and turkey hunting is really my two, my two jams. That's what I really cut my teeth on. That's what I enjoy the most. You, that, that is evident uh, through through your efforts that you document on on camera. I mean, you are all the time and uh, chasing whitetail, scouting, or going after turkeys across several countries or several countries excuse me several states right uh, yeah you know and and it's clear that you're ate up with it oh yeah yeah I, I started um at a real young age you know um and i actually turkey you know the funny thing about turkey hunting with me is i got into it um a guy from our church took me i used to used to play you know grew up playing sports of course you know a lot a lot of basketball a lot of a lot of t-ball stuff like that and um you know baseball was really something i really enjoyed a lot and uh basketball as well but i got uh how turkey turkey hunting started with me was actually um i actually was big into you know the baseball thing of course and it got to a time in the springtime it was i was probably 10 or so and we were going to have like the legit all-star team for this spring season, you know, and some coaches were pulling people and they were going to make it a possibility and everything. And, you know, I was ate up with baseball really bad. And, uh, one of the coaches called my, um, mom and was like, Hey, we selected Jordan. You know, he's going to be, he's going to be on the team. We got a great team this year. And my mom was like, well, Jordan, um, I don't know how to tell you, but he's not going to be playing baseball. <laughs> and they just couldn't believe it like they they just they could not believe the fact that i had put all this time and effort you know my whole life into baseball and now i wasn't gonna be playing on this great team you know but she told him i was ate up with turkey hunting and he just could not wrap <laughs> his head around <laughs> the fact that i i gave up baseball for a turkey but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome dude that that's uh that that i can't wrap my head around that because you know in in Georgia and I think all the South sports are just kind of a way of life. And anytime that, you know, something is strong enough to pull you away from something that's a community effort and something that, you know, you put a bunch of time into. Oh yeah. I I remember playing those. those, I never made it to, you know, much past my younger years, but I remember, you know, all my buddies, you know, swinging the bat in the backyard, 120 swings a day. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of travel ball, a lot of stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had a guy in my church, I digress a while ago, but I had a guy in my church took me um, when I was probably nine 
And, you know, from that point right there, I had several, I had two people call me in turkeys that I missed when I was nine and 10. And when I was 11, me and my dad got in a club, you know, and, um, I called my first turkey in on opening day. I'll, I'll never forget it, but I called him in just, you know, shotgun and a yelper and called him in in some planted pines. And from that point on, you know, it was kind of funny because I had people call me in turkeys. I met that, you know, it ended up being the first turkey ever killed. I called him myself. So it was kind of funny how, how it worked out. But yeah, I got, I got the bug after that first one for sure. Your first turkey was a, was a Georgia bird. First turkey was a Georgia bird and really hunted Georgia birds from there for a long time you know um when i got in college is where i started kind of traveling a little bit and uh, hunting some other states uh but really i've really started traveling a lot here in the last probably four or five years um i started kind of branching out some and how many states have you have you hunted total for turkey i'm, I'm curious uh, man i really hadn't i've hunted nebraska um nebraska south dakota um, Kansas, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida. Those are the six that I've hunted turkeys in, um, so far. I've got a bunch of states on my list this year that I want to get to, you know. So I'm just trying to, you know, go, go to a couple. It's hard, you know. The way that I kind of choose to turkey hunt now, it's hard to really knock out and go to six or seven states you know when you got pretty much you know there's some weekends that i can make a run or two you know but when it comes to taking you know a 12-day trip and trying to knock out as many as you can and and kind of enjoy it too you know um yeah yeah three or four is really the maximum i want to i want to do on a trip just to kind of because i think you kind of take from the experience some and it's all about you know I got to kill a turkey in this state and then move the next one so fast. I kind of like to enjoy it. Now, I, I'm all for if I can kill one, you know, in a state quick, you know, that's the more the better. But I don't try to let it take from my experience, you know, at all. Sure, sure. Well, and, and I want to kind of dig into some Georgia-specific information. But before I, I go down that path, I I want to ask you a question. I was, I was going to hold this till later on, but now I'm just dying to know. Right. What is the the hardest state that you have had to hunt? To, uh, which what states birds are the hun- hardest to hunt in your opinion? Man, that's a loaded question. Uh, really, it's a great <laughs> question. Uh, um, you know, because there's so many factors that that come into play. You know, with that question, because it depends on you know, are you hunting public turkeys? Are you hunting private turkeys that's pressured? You know, um, what's the availability of the birds that you're hunting? Do you have a lot of spots to go? Uh, and of course there's public opportunity everywhere. You know, I think there's, there's 49 states that have huntable populations and just about most of them have public land, uh, and a lot of it, you know, besides a few states, there's a few states there that you about got to have a, have a buddy that's got a connection or, you know, use an outfitter, which I try, I try to pinch penny. So if it's, if it's up to me, I'm going to try to make a connection somewhere, swap a state, or last case scenario would be pay an outfitter, uh, which I hadn't really done ever much. But um, I don't know. So far, I can tell you this. So far, my experience out west is is just like 
taking candy from a baby out west. It's just, and, and that's just my experience between Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota. Um, you know, it just seems like there's a lot of turkeys there, and you can find them on public. And they're not. It's it's a little bit different because they, in my experiences, they like they like to hear a lot of yelping. You know, um, it's kind of a different. It's a different strategy in my mind sometimes. Now you're always, of course, I always try to take, I take a hen's temperature, a gobbler's temperature. If hens are with the gobbler, I'll take their temperature and kind of adjust based on what my communication is with them. But uh, for the most part, I'd say the hardest turkeys I've hunted by far, hands down, is in Georgia for sure. That's what I agree to that 110%. Oh, gosh, I agree to that. Yeah, it's it, it's got to be Georgia, man. And and honestly, I mean, I just think that, and, and I've heard this debate a lot. I try to not get into a whole lot of debates on turkey hunting, you know, or, or anything for that matter. But you know, there's a lot of ba- debates about, you know, what's harder. Um, public land turkeys are harder, you know, than than anything. And you know, there's some factors that come in to play outside of your control, but. There's factors on on some private land sometimes that are outside of your your control, and you got a hunting club or something where you got all kind of people's call to that turkey. And um, so you know, I've hunted some really easy public land turkeys in Georgia, and I've hunted some some really easy private land turkeys in Georgia, and I've I've hunted some hard ones, you know. Well, it, it makes it puts my heart at ease because ease because. Uh, I have had my butt whooped by public land toms in, in Georgia the entire time I was up there. Granted, I didn't hunt them the hardest and the smartest yeah. for a long time, but I put several years in where I, I hunted just about every weekend as, as 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 many legal hours as I possibly could. And, man, some of those birds are just tough. Yeah, and I think a lot of time it really depends on, you know, the turkey. I mean, I always – less is more, you know, to me – and it has a lot to do with taking that turkey's temperature. You know, I kind of, I kind of think of it as, okay, it's kind of like dating. It's kind of like a girl, a girl that's just blowing you up all the time and wants to talk to you all the time and is just showing her availability all the time. You not might not be that interested if she's blowing you up all the time, but if you kind of play hard <laughs> to get and just say a little bit of something, you know, and then based on the reaction you get, you kind of play it from there that's kind of the best way I can describe, you know, turkeys that are pressured. I, I try to start out with, with less is more. And I try to do some things that are just different than the average Joe might try, you know, um, a lot of times, heck, I'll tell you a little story. There's a Turkey on a hunting club. I was hunting one time years ago in Georgia. There's probably, I don't know, 15 different people after this one Turkey. And, um, I came in, and, and made about a half mile loop around him one morning to hunt him. And I went in there with a wing and that was pretty much, I had calls, but I didn't ever call the Turkey. I just took a wing, went up on a post oak ridge and took that wing and just kind of rubbed it up high on the bark of the tree. And, uh, he gobbled and then I took the wing and I flew down with the wing and at dust dark, I just kind of, you know, just picked my way scratching through the leaves towards him a little bit at a time a little bit at a time until i got in that little comfort zone i got in his bubble and uh, i sat down scratched in the leaves he came right to me 
Sounds like a story I had last year. Similar. I called to them, but yeah, that leaf scratching thing works. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, but yeah, I'd say in Georgia's is the toughest turkeys I've hunted so far, for sure. Um, you know, and you get, you get turkeys with hens too. A lot of people talk about hand up turkeys, but to me, I mean, if you can just, there's a couple things I do with hand up turkeys is, you know, if she's, if I'm, checking a gobbler and he's got hens with him on the limb you know i'll i'll say a little bit of something but there's two things that's going there's really two things that's going to happen when you call a bird that's got hens with with them the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to get mad at you and there's going to be a boss hen in there and she's going to cackle at you and all that and cut at you and yelp at you aggressively and if you match that sometimes one strategy obviously we all know is turkey hunters is to kind of match her and call her in you know, and she'll bring in the gobbler. But sometimes if you do all that, if you start off before she gets mad and you try to check her and get mad with her, a lot of times she'll just take that gobbler and go the other way. Yeah, so she will. I try to kind of just give less is more to me on, on pressure turkeys for sure. So let's let's back up. You said something that I've never heard referenced, and I, and I think when you said take the temperature, are you talking about – uh, gauging how that bird's reacting to you and matching it accordingly? Absolutely. So um, if a bird, if I'm trying to find a, a gobbler, just like a hen is, you know, she's walking around, she's looking for company, she's looking for a gobbler. Um, you know, she'll she'll cut and listen and stop and pause. She'll yelp and pause. There's a lot of pauses there. She's listening for that response. Um, you know, if if I call and he gobbles and it's like five seconds later, every time I call to him, well then I, you know, I might need to tone it down a little bit. I might need to try to get a little bit closer to him before I engage him again. You know, I might need to kind of act like I'm just kind of feeding around. I'm doing my thing. I'm not really looking for you too much. If you want to come over here and join me, that's cool. Um, we'd love to have you. But I'm not burning down to him, you know. Now, if he's if he's rocking it and he's gobbling a lot to me, you know, obviously I'm gonna try to cut the distance, call, cut the distance, call, cut the distance, like a hen's naturally walking to him, and then I'll sit down and shut up on him. And a lot of times, you know, I'll let him invest basically more into me than I'm investing in him. No matter no matter the no matter the turkey, that's really what, what I'm trying to do. Huh. Okay. That makes sense. I figured that's what you meant, but that's, uh, yeah, that's so right. you, so you, you try and, and, you know, I've heard this discussed before. You know, I think anybody who's, who's read up on turkey hunting says, you know, that we're as a turkey hunter, we're, we're fight. If we don't move, we're fighting the natural tendencies of, of the turkey, you know, the turkey, the hen comes to the gobbler. And right. so you're saying you, you take that wholeheartedly in your strategy you're just constantly trying to play the natural game as much as possible when he's fired up that's when you just sit still and uh yeah granted and granted really if i have you know the lay of the land right and i've used wisdomship to kind of pick myself through and get to where there's no obstacles in between me and him you know it's it's where it's easy for him to come find me you know that's really that's what i'm trying to do but I'm never trying to really, I'm never trying to invest more in him than he's investing in me. Now, if he's burning it up, I might match his intensity sometimes. 
Um, it really just it really depends on the turkey and the situation. It's okay. it's a really hard it's really hard for um, experience is the only thing that really a lot of mistakes I guess <laughs> is the only thing that sure. kind of teaches teaches you how to like knowing when to what to say, knowing when to say it and how to say it. Um, those are the three things I think that are are the biggest thing to, to call in, in turkeys for sure. Walt, me and Jordan sound just about identical, don't we? Oh, I think you two would be two turkey hunting peas in the pod, man. My goodness. <laughs> I, I'm sitting here and everything, you know, you, you, you said a lot, learning from a lot of mistakes. If that's the case, then I am setting myself for a fabulous turkey hunting future because yeah. I have made so many stupid mistakes. I mean, I, I should have four or five birds yeah. that I have at least taken a shot at and I've botched it because I moved or I botched it because I did something stupid. And, you know, everything you say is, is exactly what Leighton has said to me over the years. And, you know, I guess I need to start taking it a little more seriously, Leighton, because here's a guy that, you know, trap, you know, dedicates a, a chunk of his life to, to chasing him across the country. You know, right. let, let's, um, you talk, you started to kind of talk about, I think, I think you started to touch on some things that, um, actually, you know what? I don't want to take it that direction just yet. We'll get to that in a second. But you, you said you got to let make a lot of mistakes and I'm curious uh, both as a personal gauge, but then also for other people's, you started turkey hunting at a young age. How did, what, where was that clicking moment? When did it click with you? Was it from that first hunt when you started uh, calling on your own, and you killed your own bird or where in your turkey hunting career, I hate to use that word, but where did it right. click and you started to understand how to hunt turkeys? Okay. So I guess you're saying when did it click? Meaning like, when did I, like start to have a lot of success well or, maybe not so much or, success but go ahead confidence in yourself meaning that correct you, yeah yeah you can go find a bird and you can right feeling or you know what i mean i guess when you know when i got a lot of people like when i was younger they'd be like man we heard i heard i heard 10 or i heard five or man i, I heard three and he, he got or i heard one he got 250 times man he, it was awesome and you know, as as a young hunt, that's what kind of gets you. I think that's what got the bug for me was communicating with that turkey and making that turkey gobble, and just hearing him gobble. And I think once I got tired of hearing a turkey gobble and wanted to start killing turkeys, that was kind of the defining moment. Um, you know, I did. I, I was okay if, if a bird gobbled a couple of times, but I killed him. I'd rather that happen than me blow him out, just calling, calling, calling to him. And and you know, that's a uh, that brings up another subject. People say, you know, some people overcall. You know, I don't think it's so much of overcalling. I don't know. That's a hard subject. I think there's turkeys that if you if you don't shut up on him, you just keep calling, calling, calling. It's like like going back to what you said before the natural order of nature is for that that hen to go to that gobbler um i think there's there's hens out there as far as realism that you know they might call a lot but they can walk straight to that gobbler you know what i mean sure so i think with that calling a lot to that turkey and him not seeing you you know that's that's really the clicking moment for me though i got i got tired of just hearing a turkey gobble and i started learning really how to take his temperature you know and knowing knowing what what to say and, and over time you know it progressed even better 
of course, when when my woodsmanship, I learned some some things through through experience, and the woodsmanship elevated, so that helped me there. But really, it was a progression, and then then the calling, you know, sounding like a hen. You know, I think re- realism mixed with woodsmanship will will kill more turkeys than anything. Um, you know, painting that picture for him. And it's just like a lot of times, bow hunting turkeys. I, n- I never used a decoy a whole lot when I was shotgunning turkeys and using a shotgun because I don't really feel like that's something that is absolutely needed. That's like last on my list of things I need to kill a turkey when I have a shotgun in my hand. But when you're bow hunting turkeys, it's, and, and especially when you're self-filming, it is an absolute necessity to have a boy. Absolute necessity. Um, when that turkey comes in there, you're sitting there with your hands on the camera, your bow is sitting there. So you're basically handcuffing yourself on purpose with a turkey sitting that's got the best eyes in nature and some of the best ears. And he's sitting there five yards from you and you're all camoed up and you're trying, you're like trying to get to your bow slowly after you've panned the camera out and cropped it right. And you're trying to slowly move just ever so every little movement you're trying to get to that bow. And so that's why that decoy is, you know, a must. But going back to painting the picture, it's like when I'm working a turkey, I will all the time when I'm working him, he's answering me and I'm in an area where he, he can get to me pretty easy. And I Jake, I, I'm yelping like a hen to him. He gobbles and I Jake yelp and count behind it when he gobbles to me. That's painted a picture for him, and that's telling him, hey, you should be seeing when you pop up over this hill or you come out there in an oak flat and you look over and you see that decoy 50 yards from you, you should see a jake. You know, you should see a gobbler. And when that jake calks, and a lot of times it's going to be he's calking at a strutter. Another gobbler strutted, and so he's calking. So you kind of paint that picture, you know, and that kind of seals the deal with the realism. Um and the same thing with like, you know, just calling turkeys in general, realism and calling and pausing like a hen, anything you can do to add realism to that calling, whether it's spaces, whether it's, you know, really good front and back, you know, whether it's taking a wing and scratching it next to a tree with like a turkey's adjusting on the limb or you're flying down with a wing or scratching the leaves, all those things, you know, I guess to make a long winded explanation to when it clicked <laughs> was just taking from experience little things that I learned and then progressively getting better over, over a, probably a five, six year time frame. But it took me probably five or six years to really get it. That that's, that's what happened with me. I killed my first bird at like 15 or 16 by myself. And then yeah. not, I was like, yeah, 18, I'd say 18, 19 when I really was like, all right, I can go and kill birds in a lot of places now. Right. That's but it right. Took that long. I mean, I started hunting when I was nine. I had a guy take me to church. And ever since then, I was hooked at like, now I probably was 10 or 12. 10. And I mean, it just, it took that many years of screwing up and messing up and, you know, everything that comes along with it to, to get as far as I've gotten now. And I don't right. think I'm any good at it, but we'll find out in Florida this weekend. I guess. Oh, awesome. Y'all going to Florida this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to go to Florida. Walt lives in Florida, so I'm going to probably hunt with him 
Saturday morning and then go home with somebody else Sunday. Awesome. Yeah, Florida is – um, I actually lived in Florida. I was working for a company, and uh, one of my things on my bucket list, I definitely was like, man, I'm going to be in Florida for at least a couple of years. I need to I need to uh, go ahead and knock out the Osceola, knock out the state of Florida. And, man, um, I should have done a little bit more research, but I was so busy at that time in my working career. But I was taking my time. You know, if I had time off, I was – I was striking up to Georgia. Just I miss that Georgia dirt, you know. But I was hunting Georgia a lot. But I should have done a little bit more research. The research that I put in now when I go out of state, I should have done that for Florida. I probably would have um, hunted Florida a little bit more than I did. But hunting Florida public land, my experience around, um, if you go around central Florida, I guess, kind of thing, Chiefland area, Chiefland, Lockloosa, that area, man. I'm gonna tell you, that's that's about the most pressured turkeys I've ever. I've I hunted it maybe three or four times, and I just left. I mean, I it was so many people there. I slept in my truck. I uh, had a roosted bird. Slept in my truck, and I uh, got up, get my stuff together. Here comes two people come down the road, walk right past my truck sitting there still getting ready about 10 minutes later here comes another two people when i left there was a truck about every 150 yards Woo! Huh. but that yeah. was that wma now i know there's there's stuff you can draw for and there's there's straight up public land in south florida that you know you can get away from people but man on that particular track it was hard to get it was hard to get away from people there yeah, that that's uh that's kind of crazy, man. I there's a couple, you know, Osceola's is obviously going to be on my list. We're going to be down here in a similar position for a couple of years, and in that time, I intend on taking uh, as many Osceola's as I can possibly. And it seems like uh, quota hunts, very limited quota hunts, might be the best option. Or knowing the landowner down there, you know, making some connections, um, you know, maybe swapping a hunt or something, you know, trying to find some way to to get down there on some pub on some private land seems to be the best option. Uh, right. Or, I mean, get you a bike or a kayak and just hunt a WMA that allows you the ability to get away from people. Really? That's the biggest thing. I mean, um, those turkeys, those Osceola's, they, they just, they got a brain about the size of a peanut or a walnut, just like an Easter. <laughs> They're a lot of people give them a little too much credit. I think, um, but it's just about if you can get away from people, you know, the particular WMA I was hunting or that I hunted, uh, it wasn't really a whole lot of ways to get away from many people. Just a lot of roads, you know, a lot of roads. Yeah, that's, that's I found that that's kind of uh, that's kind of been an issue that I found lately is trying to find a way. Uh, Florida, I, I'm not exactly fond of how they manage all of their their public land around here. Um, from a access standpoint, it, it seems like, you know, when I was hunting in Georgia, a lot of your roads were, were gated off. And if you wanted to get back in there, you had to huff it or get on a right. bike. And, uh, down here, it seems like they want every parcel to be access to every, uh, Billy Joe lunch bucket. And that's fine. You know, I think the big of the di- that yeah. big deal, but then they, they further hamstring you by, uh, uh, only allowing Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, Okay, that doesn't do me a whole lot of good. If you're going to make it to where everything's accessible and it's only accessible for a short period of time, well, I mean, right. I can't get away. There's no way to get away, and that's something that I'm trying to 
to wrap yeah. my head around and, and problem solve. I tell you what I do a lot, man, on public. And even I'm going to hit this year, I'll be hunting Kentucky. I'll be hunting North Dakota on an Indian reservation. North Dakota, apparently, you know, non-residents can't hunt North Dakota unless you're on an Indian reservation from what I've, I've heard so far. So I've lined up an Indian reservation where it's, you know, no guide fee, no guides, just, you know, you, you buy the tag, you go hunt, hunt the property, hunt the tribal land. Um, and then plan on hunting Montana and Wyoming. But man, I think the biggest thing I do in Georgia too, cause I'm, I'm going to hunt a lot of public land. I'm going to film a, a lot of public land, um, stuff as far as the deer and the turkeys in Georgia just to show people you know it can be done but a kayak and hit waders that's that's the two things that um that I get away from people that's what I use to get away from people you definitely need the hit waders about a month into season in Georgia yeah starts mm-hmm. raining oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah depending on where you're going but I, I try to find those points that that are creek access or river access that are far, far from people, you know, where they wouldn't go. Well, and that's something that I'm, I'm heavily exploring for this year. Um, I hunted public land sparingly last year and, uh, you know, I stumbled into the issue that I outlined before, but, you know, I started looking at it like I've got a 10 foot kayak that don't weigh but 60 pounds. I can slip that thing in the water. And it occurred yep. to me that, that even though people have access to a lot of these places, I can use some of the natural rivers and lakes around here to get to the backside scent free without any disturbance of those yeah. areas. And I can get nice set up there without having, you know, left any scent without making much any noise. And even if those people come, three quarters of the way into the, to that block or that piece of piece of land, they're probably going to bump deer towards me. And it might be at first light that they start moving past. Uh, but, but at least at that point, I'm not having people walk past me to get to a different point. Right. Yeah. And I actually, I've been, I've been ever since deer season went out, I've, I had a really good private piece here, uh, where I'm living now. And, uh, I lost it. Um, just you know it was like a one one year thing and uh you know it's okay that's how that's how hunting is you got to always plan for the future so that happened mid-season to me so i started scouting public you know around december and i just got finished i mean pretty much every weekend sometimes 48 hours straight just staying up and getting done what i need to get done finding the spot scouting it setting up the trees to climb and all that and just trying to give myself you know, ample opportunities, ample sets, scouting turkeys along the way. And, um, it's, there's, there's some really good spots on public. If, if people are willing to do the work to find it. Um, I was on a, on a piece the other day and it's about a mile and a half, two mile kayak trip. And, you know, I had to clean out the river a little bit where I could get back in there. But man, it's just, there's a, I guess there's, I don't know if the word would be solidarity, um, to being in the middle of nowhere with no human sign anywhere and absolutely big, fresh butt rubs and finding a, finding a, a travel corridor in the middle of nowhere, find Turkey scratch in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's just something about it. You know, it's, it's an adventure. 
Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And I think there's also you know there's the there's the aspect of you can almost and it's it's completely false, but you can almost convince yourself in some of these locations that you're the first person to have stepped foot there. You know, then you find like a glass bottle or something. And you're like, okay, right. well, you know, obviously that ain't the case. But you know, there's that aspect, and then there's kind of. Um, and I hate to put this in there, but there's a competitive aspect to it too. You know, right. you're not necessarily competing with nature so much as you're you're out hustling that that other guy, that other person that that hasn't put that that effort into it, and 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 that part really has got me kind of giddy as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's fun though, man. I I tell you, the kayak really, I really enjoyed, you know, scouting from a kayak and. And hunting from a kayak, I think it's which you know this this will be my first full year from a kayak, but it's uh, a kayak and Onyx maps, those two things, um, those are probably my two biggest assets right now, especially when you go out of state. You know, uh, I've been calling a lot of these, looking at harvest reports for the states I'm going to uh, this year and doing research, talking to game wardens and just picking the brain and. Um, you know, I asked one guy, I won't say the state, but I asked him, I was like, hey, man, um, you know, I'm noticing there's public right here on the river. I said, uh, you know, what's what's the population look like as far as turkeys go? He said, man, they're everywhere. If you can get to that island, you know, you should be done within a, you know, few hours. <laughs> wow. So that I like to hear that, you know, so I... <laughs> I swiftly dropped a pin on on the spots I was looking at. <laughs> I bet you did too, and it backed up backed up the uh, the the file too, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> There's another place I had my eye on in uh, in Kentucky, and I you know like I say I won't name the WMA or anything, but I was looking and just searching, searching. Probably spent I spent a lot of hours on Onyx, just just scouting from the air before I go on a scouting trip. Um, I'm planning on hunting Kentucky public some for deer this year, so I was kind of trying to knock out two birds with one stone. And um, I found a little secluded field that about just a sliver of the field's public, and the rest of it's private. And it's about a four-mile boat trip. And I got to it, stepped on the bank right at, it was getting dark, and turkeys just started putting at me all up in the trees i mean it was it was so many turkeys and sign in there so i'll be back there uh late april <laughs> <clears throat> that's awesome that 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 is i wonder i was sitting there thinking today um i'm not obviously guilty of this cough cough but i wonder how many uh economic dollars are lost to visual scouting on tools like on exit maps while people are at work oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> because i i I'll confess, there have been times I'm like, well, I'm going to take myself a little 15-minute uh, siesta here and, you know, just let's let's take a look at the old Apalachicola National Forest and see if anything sticks out. Next thing you know, people are packing up their bags and walking out the office. And I'm like, oh, man, That's <laughs> how right. did that happen? Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, it's addictive, man. Ain't no doubt about it. It's, it's addictive, but it's fun. It's Like I say, it's an adventure. Um, and that's what really hooked me going out of state. First time I went out of state, I went to – I want to say I used to guide some people, um, just people that just through word of mouth, they'd, they'd hire me to go on trips with them and guide for them and stuff. And that kind of 
you know, traffic and that paid my way through college. But um, I guess when I went out by myself out of state, it just kind of kind of hooked me, man. I, I went to knocking on doors a lot of times. You know, I'm in sales anyhow, insurance, state farm and everything. And, you know, it's, it's easy for me to just strike up a conversation with a stranger um, out of state. You know, out west, if you can halfway find a commonality, a common ground with somebody like, you know, some of my family um, works cows, you know, and, and I grew up helping, you know, work on cows through college and stuff. You know, that's kind of some common ground there. So we kind of talk about beef prices and talk about AI and, and different things with, uh, you know, farming cows and stuff. And, you know, you carry on a conversation and, you know, in some cases you create friends, you know. There's people that, that I are very good friends of mine that, you know, live out of state that I'll I always stop in Nebraska every year when I take a trip out of state. I'm, you know, currently trying to knock out some western states, so I always end my trip. Like this year, I'll end my trip, make a loop back to Nebraska and hunt Nebraska, you know. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing I'd tell people is never underestimate who who you are talking to may know somebody or have property for you to hunt. I have Absolutely. obtained two pieces of property from people, one of which doesn't hunt, but I helped her change a, t- a tire on the side of the road. I kid you not. I'm not making this up. Wow. And and she said, I want to send you a thank you card, a little gift card to say thank you, and I gave her my address and everything. I got a letter in the mail saying, you ought to call such and such. He's got 200 acres that he doesn't hunt. Tell him I sent you, and you can hunt it. Wow. And that was back in southeast Georgia. And, I mean, awesome. it, it was one of the it was one of those little things like you never know how you're going to come across a piece of, uh, of, of hunting property. For sure. You know? Yeah. Um, well, so I kind of I, I want to touch on this. You know, you, you, you've hinted at it and we've kind of touched or uh, danced around it. But the reason I referenced you being a legend and I, I'm not being facetious when I say that, because I, I genuinely believe anybody who does what you do on such a consistent basis is truly uh, doing something legendary. You self-film. You First off, you hunt turkeys consistently and kill birds, which is something that eludes many people. But then you self-film, you hunt with a bow and without a blind. How did that evolution come to be? Well, I mean, I used to, um, you know, with a shotgun, like I say, I, I, I shot my first turkey, uh, like I say, when I was young with a shotgun and, 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 you know, ever since then, I, I always really didn't miss a year calling my dad's limit in calling some other people in turkeys and then killing, you know, obviously my limit. And, um, I just got to where, you know, that was fun and everything. And, and I kept doing that for years and I just, I started, I did hunt some, some other States, you know, along with Georgia growing up that were close, but I guess really, I don't know. I, I got to a point where, I want to say it was 2013, I want to say, 2014. That's probably right. I might be wrong on the year, so you have to forgive me. But I shot a turkey, called him up right off the roost um, in the woods, no decoy, nothing, just called him up, textbook hunt, uh, roosted him the night before. And when I shot him, I mean, it was, it was kind of exciting, but I didn't, I kind of didn't have that same feeling. And I can't really describe it. I just... I didn't have that that same feeling that I I normally get, and I just told myself I was like, man, I gotta, I want to try 
something else, you know. And uh, there's a guy um, that this a mutual friend of mine. He he hunted turkeys with a bow. So I said, yeah, I'm I'm you know what he he said you know why don't you shoot two with your shotgun and then shoot the last one with a bow. And so the next year I decided I was like you know what I'm just I'm just gonna go straight to the bow, you know. And that's kind of where it started. I mean, really. And I really wanted to just, it's kind of weird. I just, you know, he would talk about setting up 15 yards or so, you know, your decoy with the bow and everything. And I normally, I put it there, but then I just kind of wanted to, I'm always testing the limits, I guess, just seeing how close, you know, I can get. And that's where, you know, I just ivied up and, um, I shot one at five yards or so, and I got I was hooked from there out. And it just it's hard for me to go back. There's nothing. And I'll say this too. I want everybody to know this. There is absolutely nothing wrong with shooting a turkey with a shotgun. However, someone wants to hunt, as long as it's legal, you'll never hear me say or post. And I don't really get on a whole lot of social media, but you'll never see me bash another hunter for how they legally hunt. Won't happen. Uh, I don't agree with people bashing. I think it's, you know, the wrong way to go about things. Um, I think it's arrogant to bash people. And, you know, like my dad was, we were talking the other day. He said, you know, Jordan, I hunt the way I hunt because it's about the hunt to me. It's not always about killing a turkey, you know. Um, Now, we always like to go home, you know, with a turkey in the back of the truck for sure. But it's it's not it's about different things to different people, you know. But for me, the it's hard for me to go back to a shotgun really. You know, when, when you experience a turkey at three to five yards and you're handcuffed and your your hands on <laughs> your hands on a camera, you know, you know how hard it is to get to a shotgun if you got a turkey right in front of you without them seeing you. But when yeah. you got both hands, you got both mitts on that camera. And your bow's sitting there next to you, and you're trying to slowly get from that camera to that bow, and, and always trying to get the best footage you can while the turkey comes in, and make sure you're panned out right. And then you got to kind of just inch your way to your bow one move at a time, or then he moves behind something, then you go straight to the bow. But then, do, are you seen by any other turkeys with him? <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. It, I feel like sometimes I'm playing like um, Mark. I'm like, what's that game where you? Green light, red light, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I play every spring. I, I basically play green light, red light, turkey edition. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I, I that is, you know, and we're going to talk about this in your films here just in a second. But you know, I watch them, and if you're part of our our closed group, chasing tall tales, um, yeah. Jordan posts these on a pretty frequent basis for us, and I'm I'm so th- uh, grateful for that. But when you watch, there is a level of excitement that, that would rival stand pots on like PCP, dude. I mean, you just, <laughs> you lose it, brother. I mean, yeah. you come unglued. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, there's no, like, I don't do really any, I'm not an actor. You know, I'm just a real dude, just a regular Joe that just loves hunting. I mean, I love it to the extent. Um, I don't, I would say there's nobody that loves it more than I do. Um, I just love it, man. I mean, but it's all in 
in uh, retrospect, like I don't, I don't make hunting an idol or anything. You know, my first love is God. Number one, God comes for everything else. Uh, he, he's given me the ability to hunt, two legs to walk on. I think there's a lot of things we take for granted. And um, sometimes we can be quick to make something an idol in our life. Uh, but, you know, turkey hunting is definitely something I love, man. Deer hunting, hunting in general. You know, I, I love the deer hunting just as much as the turkey. Sometimes you hear people... I know you post those polls sometimes on, on your page and everything. And um, it's hard for me to answer those questions. Sometimes people say, if you could hunt deer or turkey, you know, or turkeys, what would it be? You could only hunt one the rest of your life. Man, I'm like clicking deer and turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, clicking, I'm clicking a buck in the southeast uh, and, and a, a, you know, long beard gobbler, you know. Man, so I mean, the rest of your life must just be absolutely boring and stale in comparison. I mean, you shot that. There was one I can't. I think it was Nebraska, and you shot the bird at like, was it like six yards, and you missed the first shot, and then you got him on the second shot, and I think you sat there for a solid ten seconds just asking yourself if that really happened. And I was just like, dude, I wish turkey season get here, and this was back in January. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's man, and it, it happens. I mean, you're talking about shooting. You're basically shooting, and that's one thing too. I'll say this: it it's all learning from experience. Like when I first started with the bow and everything, I I shot my first one, and uh, it was a textbook hunt. And then I probably lost three or four in a row, and then finally killed two more to to limit out in Georgia. But when I finally, it took missing some and messing up to learn that it like to have that muscle memory that I know exactly where I need to aim on this Turkey to make a clean ethical shot, you know, and put the Turkey down. Um, there's a lot of diagrams. I think where I went wrong is, is I didn't look at the natural anatomy of the Turkey and just breast, you know, just clean one out and look at what I'm actually shooting at, you know? And, um, I don't go by the diagram. I go by what I see the Turkey and everything. And, and really, man, I, I shoot above the drumsticks. If a turkey is um, if a turkey's tight to me, meaning he's you know he's not strutting, I'll only take I'll wait for a broadside shot or a quarter and away shot, and I'm always gonna put it on that bronze pad of that wing, even if he's strutting. It's a little bit different when he's strutting, but I'm still trying to go in between the legs. If he's quartering away, I'm trying to go in between the legs and right on the top of the bronze pad. And if, if he's quartering away, obviously in between the legs is going to put you back on the bronze pad a little bit. Um, if he's if he's squared up broadside to me, then I'm just going to follow that front leg and just go above the legs right there and put it right on the bronze pad, right in the center of the middle of the bronze pad, and that's going to be center mass um, right there. And... You know, when I figured that out and just started shooting for that, um, you know, I, I started not losing any turkeys. But and it's it's one of those things where um, you can make you can make mistakes. I kind of lost my train of thought there. I was going somewhere with this. I'm not quite <laughs> sure where it was. Maybe I can remember. That's okay. Here. Maybe I can remember here in a second. Uh, it had obviously to do with shot placement. Um, yeah, you're basically shooting at a grapefruit, though. Uh, that's what you're... I, I know where I was going a while ago. But the reason why I shoot the top of that drumstick is 
that turkey, if you can take out his legs, he's not he's not gonna fly on you. And obviously, if he can't run, and he, if you take out his legs, he can't fly and he can't run. So you're gonna get turkey every single time. Um, if you if you shoot like a totally facing away from you or a straight on shot, he can if he can get up and pitch up. Man, I, I had one I shot back, um, and the shot angle was not the best, I want to say, three years ago. And the turkey picked up, flew. I thought I smoked him. He picked up, flew, and pitched over this field over about a 150-foot pine tree, <laughs> and he went out of sight. And I just took a straight line from where he flew, and most time they'll take a straight line. And I just lucked up, and God bless me, and I found him. You know, he's piled up dead, but... It's a uh, yeah, shot placement's tricky too. Well, I guess my only question for you is uh, how long before you you shoot one with the compound bow and go, God, that just didn't do it for me, and you go straight to recurve. I've already, it's already in the works, man. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, it's in the works, man. For sure. <laughs> um, I I've still got that feeling now, especially with a compound. I've got the feeling. I hadn't lost it yet. Um, I hope I don't. I mean, it's, I enjoy the compound. I mean, but I kind of last year, I mean, I finished up, um, finished up the trip last year in Nebraska and, you know, we had a lot of success throughout last season, you know, of course, blessed with another great year. Um, and you know, the last one, it, I got excited, but you know, it, I definitely, the thought of a, of a longbow or a recurve definitely, Definitely crossed the mind several times. I've been shopping around some. I hear you, man. That's a that's that's a level of of. Uh, whew, I I don't know if I can put that into words off the top of my head. I wasn't really re- expecting that response, but that's you can kill one with the recurve consistently without a blind while self filming. I I think we need to 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 put you in a book somewhere, man. That's gonna be. That's insane. I can't even wrap my head around that. Like I say, I'm just average Joe, man. I, I made up with it bad. And I love it, man. I, I like a lot of um, conservation is big with me too. I mean, I I put a lot of money and time and sweat effort into, you know, giving back to wildlife. You know, on property I manage and hunt. Um, you know, the most I can. I mean, I really. That's a, a lot of what we're trying to. I'm gonna try to put out is you know a lot of habitat enhancement methods and. And stuff like that, because I, I study that probably religiously. I mean, I love it. I love to give back. It feels good, you know, the intrinsic value you get from giving back to wildlife. It, it means a lot to me. But, yeah, I've been looking at um, recurves for sure, longbows. Um, one thing I am, I do have on the bucket list this year, I've got a, um, a spear. Because I've looked up, the only state that I've found that you can um, spear a turkey is in Nebraska. So I'm planning on trying to pull it off the, the end of my you know, trip this spring, you know, with a spear in Nebraska. I'm going to try to film it. Well, Walt bet me that I couldn't do it with a spear in Georgia, but now that I know it's illegal, I can't do it. But I told him I could. He bet me. He said, you can't do it. Well, now we know it's illegal. You can't do it, but I might still – Right, you, yeah. I, George, I, you're, you're going to open up your hunting bag and Leighton's going to pop out and be like, hey, uh, surprise, uh, I'm here to do this with you. <laughs> yeah, man. I've, I've talked to some game wardens um, about, you know, the the spear with, I want to say, 
uh, hogs because I was going to do that. Never really got a straight answer, so I didn't attempt it yet. I think it may, it may be. I'm leaning towards it might be legal with a spear in Georgia. Um, I mean, why wouldn't it be though? You know, I mean, uh, it, I can't use a bow this year because of my shoulder surgery. So I mean, I kind of, I'm I'm kind of gun or crossbow, and to me, a crossbow's a gun. So right, one and a half dozen of the other, really. Yeah, that's right. And you know, hogs are a nuisance anyhow. Right. So I'm, you wouldn't I'm, know it by the way they're protected. Yeah. Well, you know, I was talking to a game more the other day. He said, yeah, Jordan, he said, um, hogs are kind of, they're not our baby. You know, that's more of a, uh, department of agriculture, agriculture, uh, U.S. type thing, you know, with the hogs. Cause they're not a, you know, they're a nuisance species. Um, but yeah, the turkey, I did look it up, you know, it's in the regs for Nebraska. It says can use a spear. So when I saw that, my eyes kind of lit up because, you know, um, one thing I'm doing this year is I'm trying to, I'm trying to give people a you know, kind of step up because I'm I'm not a professional cameraman. I I got a lot to learn on on editing and filming and things like that. But um, the I've got a couple GoPros now that I'm gonna, I'm going to put. Um, I got a gimbal for walking, trying to you know get that good B-roll kind of filler footage to kind of tell the story a little bit better because um, I'm primarily from you know before now i've been just a film the actual hunt not not a ton of b-roll or or filler stuff but i've got a gimbal and a, and a hero six so i'm pumped about that to be able to kind of share more of a you know the actual you know story and and tell the whole hunt um but i'm gonna put one on my camera and face it back at me uh on my camera so it's gonna it's gonna show that's the awesome uh, red light green light. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's gonna be a killer idea. I, Dad, gummit, it's contagious. I had a thought. I was gonna ask you. You were talking about the camera gear. Oh, it'll come back to me when it comes back to me. But I tell you what, what tell I, I'll story. ask. The, huh? Was it had to do with telling the story, building the story? No, I. I tell you what, I'll ask you this question, and I'm sure it'll come to me about uh, halfway through your answer. Sure. <laughs> um, you know, we, we we talked about the filming and everything, and I I do want to give you the opportunity to kind of tell everybody about uh, you know close proximity TV, which is which is uh, you know your baby there on on YouTube. Why don't you uh, take a moment and kind of just explain to everybody uh, what you do and what the what the goal of close proximity is. The the main goal. Uh... You know, with with my my channel, I mean, I'm on. Um, I've got an Instagram, a Facebook, uh, and a YouTube, and those are really YouTube and Facebook's where you can find the, my hunts and everything. But um, the main goal really is to be able to let my if I, when I have kids one day, they'll be able to watch it. Um, their kids will be able to watch it, and then their kids, and on down the line, you know, they'll be able to watch it. So that was really the main the main goal um and i had some some partners pop up along the way but i try to keep it real you know i don't i don't do a lot of name dropping you know sponsors and stuff i I try to let let their logo pop up and people can see what i use but you know the main goal really was also to kind of felt like god wanted me to use you know my channel uh to glorify him that's my main goal and uh, i guess try to use that for whatever platform he'll have it be you know 
um, no matter the following or anything like that, you know, my main goal is just to, to use it for, uh, for his glory. You know, that's, that's really the main goal. You know, it, it, the, the videos themselves show the level of passion you have. I've mentioned that before. It also shows the, the level of commitment that you have to the outdoors, to that, that mission itself. And I, I just want to encourage everybody here. If, if you haven't already, it's worth a while to subscribe to, to close proximity and, 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 view what Jordan is putting together. You know, I know he's talking about stepping up the, the value, but the value is already there. If it gets better, that's just the, the icing on the cake. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great watch. It's very genuine. Like he said, he doesn't push products. I, it's, it's one of the few that I've subscribed to. And when you drop those in that small, in that closed group, dude, that's like the best part of my week right there. Especially you drop them on like a Monday or Tuesday and I don't want to be in the office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate the kind words, man. Another thing I'm trying to do more is um is take more kids, you know. Um there's uh I was blessed, God blessed me to hook me up with some people from the Outdoor Dream Foundation last year and uh I took a kid that had actually um was drowned in a pool behind his parents' house, uh, you know, and was pretty much unconscious for twenty minutes. You know, the grace of God, they revived that kid, and, and he had some, you know, some issues from that. But to be able to call that, you know, me and Alex and my buddy Casey, I got a couple of buddies that, that I hunt with a, a good amount. And, um, you know, we all sat there and called up, you know, some turkeys, and they were able to, to get some. And it, it was just, man, that was just that intrinsic value. It was just really rewarding to give back like that. You know, I've taken some – I take people a good bit, um, you know, on hunts and stuff and try to give back but man those kids that's where it's that was that was another feeling man it just felt good to do that i'm i'm planning on taking um one of the kids that got up there and spoke at the banquet last year at outdoor dream foundation no no one actually took him the next morning i i didn't know that um when i found out about that 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 kid had nowhere to go uh i, I couldn't believe it i could not believe it and uh you know he had cancer um, is in remission right now, young kid, got a great head on his shoulders, got a great outlook on life. You know, he gets up there and speaks and it's like a 30 year old's talking, you know, he's only last year he's 15. Um, but I reached out to him and his parents and he will be with me by my side in Georgia at our farm, uh, this weekend. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's awesome, brother. Kudos for you to taking the the time. It's all too easy to get caught up in, in ourselves and what we want to get out of things. And between between your efforts to take take him hunting and other youth and getting them involved and, and your conservation efforts, man, I just want to thank you for for setting such a awesome example for for the outdoor community as a whole. Well, I appreciate it, brother. I, heck, like I say, I, I don't consider myself anything near special. I, I just uh, I have a respect for you know, what God's spoken to existence, you know, it's, it's something special and sure, it's a privilege sure. that we can all, you know, uh, get to, get to reap the benefits of it. You know, it's important to, to protect it. You know, that's why we all need to, we need to, um, we're all fighting for the same things, you know? So as long as it's, legal, don't bash anybody guys, <laughs> just, just enjoy it, you know? Well, I tell you what, Jordan, hang on one second. We're going to wrap this out, and I want to chat with you afterwards.
guys, this has been another awesome episode. Um, I, I, I know we promised you more turkey content, and we're just going to keep that rolling. That theme is going to continue to to run through the spring. We've got some awesome guests lined up that uh, are just going to build on this topic, and hopefully we can have Jordan on. Uh, we have him on the record saying he'll come back, so hopefully we can hold that up in courts if he, if he refuses, but I don't think that will be the case. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating or review. I genuinely do not care the status of the review. I just need to know if this content is enjoyable to you, and I need you to help others find this podcast if you enjoy it. As always, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and ask to join our closed listener group. It's called Chasing Tall Tales. It's a little outdoor community, our little slice of heaven that we're building to promote good stories and, and sharing genuine information and it's growing quickly and I'd love to have uh, anyone who isn't a part of it already added to there. Until next time, I'm your host Walt. I'm Layton. Y'all be good and I'll see you late next time. You messed that up, Walt. Yeah, I know it. <laughs>